got the a blubber of a Norwal. So <laughs> got, got insulation in all here. All I need is a, is a horn. <laughs> I thought they you do need a horn. Um, Unicorn of the sea. Welcome to the Innovation Overground, where we look at some of the academic discoveries and innovations that we often hear about, but for whatever reason, never actually seem to touch our lives. We want to look at why that is and what it might take to help move those things forward into actual things living on a store shelf where they might help all of us leave happier, healthier lives. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Runke and Tyler Scher. Tyler is a PhD... Uh, Intellectual, uh, I'm sorry, uh, licensing associate in our office. How's it going, Tyler? Good, Charlie. How are you doing? I almost gave you Joe's job description. I think you mean he is an intellectual. I'm a public intellectual. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll buy that. Uh, being the dumbest guy in the room, I uh, don't have much room to, I can't argue. So, Joe, you are a inter- intellectual property lawyer I in am. our office. I'm not a public intellectual. Then. He's, uh, <laughs> I'm the law dog. <laughs> he's Dr. Law dog. Dr. Law dog. <laughs> That's right. Just uh, do that. <laughs> I'm going to change my Twitter again. <laughs> but you also run the, or at least partially run the Unitech? I associate the, run the Unitech. Associate run That's the right. associate director. Is that the official title? Yes. Assistant okay. to the associate director. <laughs> <laughs> I assist myself to associate. <laughs> All right, so I'm the disassociated director. <laughs> that sounded better in my head. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and please leave a review. Please also tell your friends. We want to be the front porch for all university innovation worldwide, not just in Nebraska. Although we got a lot of cool stuff here. We do, and it's been a while actually since we've talked about a Nebraska thing. Should we talk about one now? Sure. Wait, yeah. Wait, no, no, no. Let's talk about two. <laughs> okay. No problem. But and, and they have to be related. Ooh, yeah, so that's a steep ask. Well, you know what we haven't done in a while. Um, well, actually, we haven't done at all is antimicrobial stuff. I know, I know, we got some people working on some cool stuff there. Actually, Tyler, that's kind of your sweet spot. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm putting you I on. The, I'm going to throw you straight. Bacteria. I'm, I'm throwing you straight under the bus. Okay. Give me one. I can do it. Yeah. Okay. Give me two. Okay. One, two. Yeah, two. We have, so we have a number of researchers working on antimicrobial oh, devices. Oh, there's another one that's being 3D printing involved. Oh, you want me to do that one first? Yes, do that one first. Okay. This is the 3D printed you know <laughs> craniotomy scaffold. Yeah. What's that mean? So Yeah. So craniotomy. That's where they take your cranium off? So when they have to, when for surgical or medical reasons, they have to cut a hole in your skull. Ouch. Remove it. It's called, when they remove that, it's called a bone flap. Okay. Um. Bone flap. Yeah, there could be a lot of reasons why like they have to really do this. It sounds like a really cool metal band, Bone Flap. <laughs> I was in Bone Flap. I, oh, were you? Yeah, I played, I played keyboards. <laughs> I played the triangle. I played the cowbell, actually. Uh, sorry. Keytar. <laughs> I played the hooter. <laughs> so, Bone Flap. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons why they could have to, why doctors might have to do this. Uh, most common is probably if you have anything that's causing intracranial pressure, too much pressure um, in your skull, uh, so they they cut a hole in your in your cranium uh, to relieve that pressure. Wow. So okay. that could be caused by an infection, um, could be caused by some sort of traumatic injury. Uh, but anyway, so bone flap is what they have to do. Um, 
So if what's a 3D printed solution to that then? So yeah, you, gotta, you have so they cut a hole and they just remove a piece of skull. Like how big are we talking about? Mm, oh, so probably you know a few inches in diameter. Wow, actually. It can be pretty decent size. That's that's a yeah. that's a big it's missing not, not, piece not, of cranium. Not trivially small. Yeah, yeah. So as you can imagine, um, having that done, um, even if it's done to clear up an infection, can actually result in a subsequent infection. Sure. Uh, that that bone flap oftentimes can't can't be properly preserved for for re- for for placement again. Okay, so they can't put it back on, and it doesn't heal like a broken arm or something. No, no, you won't regrow uh, the hole in your skull. <laughs> nope. So these just put metal plates. Is that kind of why people have metal plates in their head? I've always wondered that. Actually, yeah, I think that would be okay. one of the reasons why. Yeah, and that's less than ideal for a number of reasons. Right. Um, yeah, so now your options are you can try to keep that bone flap alive while maybe you do whatever procedure you have to do and then subsequently clear up. Or if you have like an infection, you got to treat yeah. antibiotics, clear that up. That might take weeks before you can put it back on. So you try to keep it alive. How do you keep it alive? How do you keep a piece of bone alive? Uh, I mean, in, so basically in a, in, in, in a lab setting that simulates uh, living on your head. <laughs> so you, you, you try to feed it with the typical <laughs> fluids and chemicals really? oh. that you, those cells would get. God, that sounds so bizarre. And, and the, right. yeah, yeah. You try it's to a give culture, it the right? You culture yep. it. Yep. There okay. you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got this weird vision. It was like some mad scientist lair, you know, with, you know, <laughs> Tesla coils and stuff. And yeah, still no. doing bone flap jokes. No, it's, it's a culture. It's an <laughs> oh, incubator. No. Okay. Um, but if you can't do that, uh, what what they would do is they would replace it with just a, um, a, 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 a scaffold. And we now have the ability to do better than metal. We can now 3D print um, or bioprint these scaffolds. This is out of, out of material. What's a scaffold? That, yeah, so I would... Uh, uh, so that'd be a construct that houses um, cells. So so the scaffold here would be something that you could insert into that space. Um, that like would literally a construction scaffold, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So this is it's three D printed. It has living cells in it and other proteins, other 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 living molecules, uh, organic molecules that then help it incorporate and grow and regrow back into your skull to cover that that space. Um, so. Uh, what these researchers have done with their 3D printed craniometry scaffold, uh, this is doctors Tammy Killian and Bin Duan at UNMC, is uh, they've incorporated um, uh, 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 antimicrobial technology. So this could be traditional antibiotics to help either help clear up an infection, um, or or and or prevent an infection. Okay. So the scaffold then it promotes bone growth. It can. Yeah. Okay can promote bone growth. Um, what they've also done is they've incorporated multiple ways to, to fight infection. Um, so not only not only uh, housing traditional antibiotics, uh, but also housing uh, molecules or signals that, that report to your immune system and tell them to help clear up the surrounding infection. Um, so you have, you have chemical messengers. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just confused on one thing. You, you talk about the bone flap. That's the, the part they take out for the procedure. Yes. And then they replace it with, I, well, it's basically it, like a, it's, re- it's, 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 it's like a bone mimic. So, so it's organic material. Um, it's, it's living material that then houses cells that'll grow. You'll grow that kind of skull back. It, so it's not necessarily bone, but it's some sort of bone-like so it's, it's more like cartilage, I guess. So it might be, okay. yeah. So it won't, probably won't be as strong. I mean, so there'd be signals to, to promote, um, ossification and, and bone growth again, it probably 
uh, it probably would never become, uh, it, it wouldn't be a perfect replacement. It's but not. it would be yours. Would there be any chance of, say, rejection? Would you need to take any sort of... No, there there shouldn't be a whole lot of rejection associated with it. You could seed it with your own cells. So the cool thing about bone, right, <clears throat> is that your bone is, the, the actual physical bone that you see, it's secreted, right, by all the cells that actually live inside of it. Mm, and so... That's a good point. Um, that's the way most connective tissues work, like cartilage, stuff like that. It's It's impregnated with all these cells and the cells make the cartilage, right? Hmm. And so they just sort of, you know, uh, grow. So when you cut that section of bone out, you're also removing all the cells that were in that bone. So the culture, it's not keeping the bone alive, it's keeping the cells inside the bone alive, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so, cause they're, it's like cutting off your arm, right? It's no longer connected to the rest of your body, which is specialized to sort of feed and support them. And so when you produce the scaffold, right? Then the cells you can put back in or eventually your body will colonize it with the yep. cells that were inside the bone. Uh, that's true too. And yeah. so even though the structure, so like a metal plate, not happening, right? Like right. You know, your cells are not awesome enough to sort of, you know, go and sure. penetrate titanium. But mine are. Uh, Speak for yourself, pal. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Charlie's. Uh, was it condocytes? Chondrocytes. Chondrocytes. Yeah, or osteocytes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I used to teach this um, <laughs> <laughs> to nurses. I'm sorry, everyone who ever had to as a teacher. Um, so, but yeah, so so they would uh, 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 repopulate that scaffold with yes. the cells that would eventually grow the bone back. So eventually, yeah. this sort of cartilage-like bioprinted matrix, yes. right, which is not immunologically relevant. Like your body isn't going to look at that and say, is this me? That's what I was getting at. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's just the goop that's produced by the cells that are you. Okay. So eventually it does become your own skull growed back. Does, right. it, does, the, does the scaffold itself, does that like degenerate to a point where like uh, your body absorbs it or something? Or does it always remain there? Or is that unknown at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Unknown to me at this point. Okay. But a very good question. Yeah. Yeah, that would take a pretty advanced study to know for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, but Charlie wants to kill some more bacteria. So what else we got? Yeah. So if, right, that's, not, if that's not cutting it for you, we also have another technology- cool which is antimicrobial wound dressings. So this is like... Band-aids? Band basically band-aids that are antimicrobial. All right, you put a Can little... Can I buy those already? I mean, they're like, like twice as much, but they got silver in them or trickless You can't sand. buy these. Oh, oh, can't. <laughs> Why not? What's so great? Well, now, what's unique about these then? Yeah, so these are nanofiber dressings functionalized with engineered peptides from doctors Xingwei Zi and Gus Wong at UNMC. These are electrospun. What's electrospun? What the what? So this is like cotton candy. <laughs> actually, sort of. The, the process you do it no sort of looks like making cotton candy. It's more sophisticated, obviously, but but you're able to to actually with electrospinning, you're able to control um, through through the the uh, diameter of the of your your uh, <laughs> material that is being spun, and through the velocity at which you you spin it, you're able to control. The, the the properties of the material at, a, at like a nanoscale. Okay, so what material are we spinning with this? I mean, so this is basically, so cotton? this is, yeah, it could be like a cottony material. It could be cellulose. These know. are mostly like polymers though. I'm yeah, sorry. they're polymers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So these Mo are various like plastics. But but it could be, well, plastics, but it could also be a... Uh, Good point. Not all these plastics could be organic molecules. Yep, too. yep. So, so like chitin. <laughs> so it's oh, yeah, or, awesome. or cellulose or so does electrospinning yeah. things do have some magical property that it can 
No, no. So the benefit of electro spinning is just being able to 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 personalize and and affect at a very minute or tiny scale the properties, the physical properties of that material. Okay. So what kind of properties do we want to give? Yeah. Whatever so, material the ability to be antimicrobial. Yeah. So when you electro spin bandages uh, with the special bandages, you can incorporate organic molecules like proteins. Um, into that into that material. So now you're you're weaving in um, antimicrobial peptides in this case. So these are proteins that are uh, found in nature and basically ubiquitous throughout life. They're they're okay. naturally occurring. They occur. They're part of your part of our innate immune s- systems. So these are peptides. They're small, very tiny uh, proteins essentially that that yeah, are antimicrobial. Yeah, we've talked about these peptides before and the, I thought the problem with those though is they're just really expensive to make, aren't they not? Yeah, yeah. And that's still gonna be a little bit of a downside to this technology as well. Um electro spinning itself I don't think has been uh brought up to large scale production yet at cost. So there's still some cost concerns with just doing this in mass. Uh but um but but the way the the state of the research currently you can make Small quantities um, at, at at high cost, but they have some really crazy good properties. So these these wound bandages as well. You could also incorporate other other uh, signals or growth factors to help promote healing. So these could be bandages that you would use for special occasions. So maybe for uh, third degree burns, if you're having to regrow skin or cover oh wow up. yeah yeah. So so it could help it could help promote that that regrowth or the healing as well as keep everything from getting infected. So there's really advanced bandages that are uh, covered with clotting factors. Mm. And oh, so they're used in okay. trauma. So if you get someone with a really horrific uh, injury or they lose a limb and there's no real way to stop the bleeding, yeah. then you would basically just jam this bandage up in there. It would sort of conform to the surface because of the cool properties that they mm-hmm. have and then deliver right to it all the molecules that promote clotting really quickly. But that sounds great. How close is this to something that's... So both of these technologies um, have, have animal study data, uh, but st- need, to, need to now take the leap out of, out of the university um, and, and actually into uh, some, some scaled production, a little bit of refinement, and then, and then hopefully clinical trials at some point. So a little, bit of, a little bit of work yet to be done, but early results are very promising. Well, that sounds very cool. Um, is there, are there other applications then for the for the tissue printing that 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 Binduan is doing in his lab? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's. An, I, mean, I get the bone flap, but I mean, is there other? You want like a, a side project, no, another well, project he's working on? Well, or? I'm just curious if there are other applications for that particular technology apart from just growing. Oh yeah, yeah. Skull. I mean, you know? so yeah, yeah. So um, I guess any any sort of other. Uh, so if you had a face fracture, for example, um, you could basically use the exact same scaffold. Um, and incorporate it into your into like your your cheek. Oh yeah, example, he was. Ta- I you know I nose or yeah. I talked about a year ago and he was talking about for I think it was for cleft palates. Sure. Yeah. I think that was, he was doing some pediatric so use. For does that. he print those scaffolds based off of computer images? So could you scan <laughs> the non-injured well. side of my face? And do, or am I totally? No, no, that's very good. Yeah. So we're talking about personalized medicine here as well with 3D printing. Yep. So okay, you're able so, to you're yeah. able to 3D scan, get an accurate rendering of the exact uh, footprint. Of that injury, and then and then match a 3D print perfectly to the patient. That's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. When is that the same kind of time frame or same kind of level of, or is that further back? As far as where it is on the developmental chart. Um, 
I, you know, I don't know for sure how far he's made it with that technology. So okay. there's a, that's a little bit less innovative. There's a lot of groups that are doing sure. the similar work. Okay. So I think a lot of that's going to come down to is you producing it out of material that's approved. That's already pre FDA right. approved. Because FDA approved. Gotcha. Yeah. like sure. the, the stuff that Tyler's talking about is impregnating it with lots of drugs and no one really knows. I mean, that gets really, really dicey, right? Because you have that almost in direct contact with the brain. Yeah. Right. Wow. So that's going to require, sure. you know, a lot of evaluation and that's going to be pretty rightfully so scrutinized. Um, the bandages from like Bindawan, right? Like those anti-infective ones, those are really cool because that would offer like basically an entire layer of primary immunity right up against the side of the, the wound. Right. So yeah. all this stuff. But that was Jingwei's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Jingwei is doing. Yeah. So Jingwei has these really, really precisely controlled materials that have really, really cool properties for like dissolving and you know density and stuff like that. And so you can precisely engineer bandages for specific wounds and impregnate them with Dr. Wang's. He's doing them in, in, in different shapes as well for different applications. Different right? shapes, configurations. Yeah, but can, those are the shapes of the actual like cores of the 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 mesh, right? Um, so you can make like big holes or little holes or sure. whatever, right? To yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. a ring, yeah. You, yeah, you can essentially make them in any shape to fit any desired application, I guess. Custom but, cotton candy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, hey, we're out of time. It's time to come to ground again. Uh, for We'll have some, some links, right, Tyler? To our own website, yeah. <laughs> Back in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. For Tyler Sharon, and Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton. Say so thank you for joining us on the Innovation Overground.